Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Law Hour and Editorial Review. The Law Hour is sponsored by the Gordon Law School of Isabella, Missouri. The Law Hour is an educational service brought to you in the public interest. I'm your narrator, George Gordon. The Law Hour and Editorial Review is heard nationally and internationally seven days a week here in the United States and in more than 112 countries worldwide over the Internet. Now, for more information about the Law School and the Law Hour Editorial Review, please visit our webpage at georgegordon.org. Again, that's georgegordon.org. The Law Hour and Editorial Review brings you important information about law, science, education, politics, religion, health, history, economics, news, and current events. So stay tuned for tonight's special report on incorrigible delinquency when we come back. Are you concerned about your privacy? And just how much does your government know about you anyway? And how much do you want your government to know about you? Well, government only knows about you as you tell them about yourself. Everything that government, industry, or business knows about you is because you told them. Now, the Fourth Amendment protects you when your person houses papers and effects, but it does not protect you from yourself. Now, can we have privacy in the computer age? The answer is yes, we can. And that's because this information is being gathered and stored in a very reasoned and very logical manner for later retrieval and use. So it's knowing how much information is being gathered, what information is being stored, and what information do you want to keep personal and private because that actually puts you in the driver's seat in your quest for privacy. Now, always keep in mind, no one knows anything about you that you yourself have not revealed by your own hand or by your own mouth. Now, if you'd like to learn more about privacy and privacy issues, why don't you call me here at the law school and ask for my free general law CD package while you're at it. Now, that's a four-hour program. It's entertaining, it's informative, it's educational, and it's free. Just call the school and ask for it. The number is 417-273-4967. Again, that's area code 417-273-4967. Now, if you're online, go to our website. It's georgegordon.org. georgegordon.org. Just click onto the email and send us an email request for that free general law CD package. Okay, now once more, that's georgegordon.org or call us direct at 417-273-4967. 4967. Do it right now while you're thinking about it. All right, last time I said we're talking about this thing of incorrigible delinquency, and I said we'll talk about the doctrine of parents patre. Parents patre. They gave you a little introduction last time. Parents patre is the doctrine of state or societal control of your child. And that's what happened to this Muslim guy. Came over here from Lebanon and killed his daughter. So his daughter became what he he determined that she was incorrigibly delinquent. He had uh, told her this is the law of our family, and he said to her, "Don't do that." She went out and did it anyway. And so it wasn't just him. This is this is this is society. This is this is the way these Muslims work. Now this isn't all Muslims in all countries, so I don't want to, you know, lead you to believe that you know all Muslims kill their daughters. But it's it's pretty common. They're trying to stamp it out uh, over in those Muslim countries, Arab countries, but they they haven't, and they still do practice this. And I want to point out that this Muslim tradition, this Muslim custom practice of absolute 
parental power, even including life or death over a child, comes from the Bible. So it's not a Christian practice. I'm not suggesting now that this this comes from Christianity. It comes from the Bible, and and the biblical law, the biblical principles of law, are are not incorporated in Christianity. Christianity is something totally separate from the Hebrew Bible, the Hebrew Scripture. Christians do not practice the Ten Commandments. Never have, don't now, and never will. That's my point. But the Bible, this God of the Scripture, this God of the Bible, you know, the guy that did the Adam and Eve trick in the Garden of Eden, that's the guy we're talking about. He also incorporated into this law a doctrine that we today call the doctrine of parents patre. It's who owns the child. And the answer is the parents. And they have the power of life and death over the child. Now, don't you go out and do that tomorrow, because if you do, you'll go to prison, just like this Muslim guy. And that's because we Americans, Canadians and Australians, we changed our law. And I showed you last time where we changed it. It was about 1,000 B.C., 3,000 years ago, we changed our law. We adopted the doctrine of parents patre, when we rejected our God and we said, we want a king like all the nations around us. That's when we changed it. Now, that was a long time ago, and that was a bad decision. Well, in my opinion, it was a bad decision. Now that I'm an old man, I I look back and I say, you know, maybe we didn't cut as fat a hog in the back as we thought we did. Maybe we made a bad decision back there. Maybe we had to reconsider this. And that's my point. You know, this doctrine of parents patre is is the doctrine. It's the law of Texas. You just saw it the other day. You know, Texas went in. There was a bunch of Mormons down there. I guess they were fundamentalist Mormons. They called them on the on the news. And the state disagrees with the way these Mormons are raising their children. They they don't like it. And they said we're we're opposed. The the state of Texas. This is a social lady. The judges. You know, the, the, the legislators say, we, we disagree with the way you Mormons are raising your children. And if they want to, they can come along and say, we disagree with the way you Baptists are raising your children. And we disagree with the way that you Catholics are raising your children, and so on. But you know, all you Catholics and Mormons and Baptists, you all vote, and you all voted these politicians in. And remember, these politicians, they promised you freedom, security. And they delivered to you the Patriot Act and Homeland Security. Now they tell you to spread your cheeks so they can look up your anus in the airports. And you people call that freedom. Well, okay. <laughs> I guess I guess if you want to bend over and spread your cheeks so somebody can look at your anus and call that freedom, that's your choice in life. I guess you can do that. But that isn't my idea of freedom. That isn't the that isn't the idea that we got from God or Jesus or the or the twelve apostles or anybody else. The idea of liberty and freedom and justice and one thing and another from the Bible is something totally separate from what we see out here in secular politics or in Christian philosophy. So this guy named Jeffrey Blunstein he wrote a doctrine he he wrote a, a an article here on the doctrine of parents patre and I. 
I said, this time, let's take up this this doctrine of parents' patria and let's find out what the cause is. When did this thing get started? And then we ought to take a look at, well, what do we do to correct it? You know, what could you do as Joe Sixpack, Sally Housewife, to get control over your children, take that control away from the state, go back to practicing the law of God, and let's see if we can't correct this incorrigible delinquency. The origin of the doctrine of parents' patrae in the law can be traced to medieval and late medieval English chancery courts, where it played an important role in maintaining the structure of feudalism. Okay? Parents' patrae, the doctrine that we practice today in Texas, Florida, and California, has its origin. We can go back to the origin, to the Middle Ages, and feudalism. I already showed you. I can take you clear back in the Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 8, 1000 B.C. That's where it started, and that's feudalism. No doubt about it. What we're practicing in America today under the doctrine of parents' patre with our public school system under the 10th plank to the Communist Manifesto is feudalism. All right, now let's connect these dots. Chancery as an agent of the monarchy, had a duty to assure that the orderly transfer of feudal duties from one generation to another, and to ensure that there would be someone available to perform these duties. And the concept of parents' patre was usually invoked in connection with problems of property or guardianship. Okay? So we do the same thing today. We have a different name for it. We call it the Tenth Plank to the Communist Manifesto. We call it compulsory education. And the purpose for compulsory education is to train up the next generation of workers to work in the military-industrial complex, to work in the corporate environment, the, the, uh, the uh, fascist corporate state. So we're practicing feudalism, but we don't call it that. See, that's the old name part. Today, we don't call you a serf. We call you an employee, and you're working for the state. That's the king. That's all. We're educating your child to the state's standards. That's the king wants your child educated so that he will be able to use your child to take your place at the work table, at the workplace in the military-industrial complex. You know, you can call it what you want. That's the purpose. We're, we're training students in our colleges and universities to take positions in these corporate enterprises. And that's the king's enterprise. The king incorporates these enterprises. He charters these. Now, later, in response to the social and economic changes of the declining feudal age, statutes dealing with the custody of children by the poor were enacted, and the doctrine of parents' patre was used to justify involuntary separation of children from pauper parents and subsequent apprenticeship to others. Apprenticeship to others. My granddad's parents died in 1900, 1898-1900. He was about 10 years old. So he was apprenticed out to his uh, uncle, Ed. He took him into bond servitude. And that's what happens to the baseball player. And see, he's playing sandlot ball or college ball, and some guy comes up, signs him up, takes him into apprenticeship, puts him into a farm team. But he's owned by the New York Yankees. 
And one day the New York Yankees say, well, I think we'll sell him to the Seattle Mariners. And that's all the state's done. Now, the state doesn't doesn't come out and, and, and work quite like that. They have a little different modality. See, they enact laws and policies, and they call this a marriage license. Want to have a real marriage, girls? Got to have a marriage license. But I'd like to suggest that before marriage licenses in 1876, that we had marriage here on planet Earth. We had marriage here in Anglo-Saxon administration before marriage licenses. And if that weren't the case, then everybody's a bastard, aren't they? Illegitimate? Well, that's that's not the state of the law of any place that I know of. Now, the state wanted to get involved in marriage because it's got a, a purpose, it's got a function. There's an agenda that goes with it. Now, the politician is the state. The state, in reality, is a corporation. It's a non-entity. It doesn't exist. So we create it. We, human beings, create these persons that we call corporations. And we give them the status of persons and the, and the same legal rights, duties, capacities, and incapacities. We treat General Motors just like we, tr- we treat Joe Sixpack. We can sue General Motors. General Motors can sue you. Do you know that? General Motors can own property, and they can dispose of that property just like individuals do. So human beings have created this corporate welfare, this fascist welfare state. Now, we were told not to do that. Remember, I showed you that last time. Deuteronomy 4, verse 2. We were told not to add to this law take away from it. We said, wait a minute, God, you don't, you don't understand economics. You don't understand politics. <laughs> we we got to have politics and economics over here. Well, okay. So God, you know, he's pretty broad-minded, you know. He's, he's, he's sitting here letting you do whatever the hell you want. Now, there's coming an end to this. And he, he's told us, you know, over and over again, he says, you know, I'm going to call a halt to this one of these days. Foolishness can only go so far. And my dad used to give me some rope so I'd go hang myself, and my granddad did that, and I'd go out and experiment and get a bad result, and they'd say, okay, did you learn anything from that, son? And so the, our creator's done the same thing. Back here in First Samuel chapter eight, he said, "Okay, I'll butt out, and I'll let you guys, I'll let you guys elect George Bush. I'll let you guys have have your political fling, and uh, and go down to Flo's whorehouse and get a dose of AIDS, herpes, and VD, and let's see how this works out for you, Bob. Let's see how this comes out." Similar provisions were common in the poor laws of the American colonies, and in some of the colonial statutes. And we can see the beginnings of the idea that children are to be protected not only from poverty, but also from parents who are undeserving. Let's pause right there. The state comes to the conclusion that is the state. What is the state? It's a corporation. What's a corporation? It's a charter. Operated by who? Stockholders, boards of directors, and CEOs. And that's what the legislature is. See, the legislature of your state is the board of directors. The governor is the CEO. So the board of directors of a corporation have to have employees. These are called taxpayers and citizens. <laughs> Otherwise, how are you going to finance it and support it? Who's going to do the work? It isn't the CEO or the or the board of directors. They don't do the work. Politicians don't work. Let's wake up. 
and it's a guardian ward relationship. The employees work for the board of directors and the officers of the company. They are the feudal serfs. Taxpayers and citizens are the feudal serfs of the state. The state is the lawmaker. The state is God. And worshiping the state is obeying the laws of the state. When you practice the laws of Texas, it's an act of idolatry. Idolatry is treason. Treason is punishable by death. That's why idolatry, the first commandment, is punishable by death. It's treason against God, your creator. Nothing more, nothing less. Try it. Go out and commit treason against the United States of America and see what happens to you. See if you can commit idolatry with Israel or China or Russia as an American citizen and see what happens to you, Bob. Pay attention here. You know, they should explain this to you in the ninth grade in high school. Somebody in church or Sunday school said, Hey, let me explain this idolatry thing to you. Let's talk about parents' portrait. Let's talk about ownership. Let's talk about property and property rights and rights and franchises. Let's talk about hard money and soft money. They don't. And that's because the politicians, the guys who are in opposition, the princes, this is what they're called here in the Bible. Remember him? 1 Samuel chapter 8. Let me flip over here and I'll show you this again. God has a name for these guys. You know, when when you want to identify a public official in our society today and compare that with the Bible, it came to pass when Samuel was old and that he made his sons judges over Israel and he identifies them and his sons didn't walk in his in his, in his ways. His sons were taking bribes and they were a bunch of jerks what they were. Then in verse 4, all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel and to Ramah. Now he calls them elders and princes. The princes of Israel and the elders. That's, that's the people that we call our senators and representatives. You know, people like uh, Ted Kennedy, George Bush, Dick Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld. Those are our princes. Those are our elders. And the elders of Israel came to Samuel and said, we want a king like all the nations around us. And that's precisely what we're doing today. You know, we want Barack Obama. We want John McCain. We want George Bush. And we follow the elders of Israel. And our elders are telling us we need to vote. Get out there and vote. Participate in the treason against God. Participate in idolatry. Make your own laws. Tell God to stick it where there's no daylight. Well, okay. Now that's what we did. That's what we've done. That's what we are doing. And that's what we are going to continue to do. And in the process, we'll get a result from that. I mentioned to you last time, out in California, your Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage. They legalized sodomy. Okay, now the state's burning up. I think it's, uh, you know, I just thought about that and said, my God, is this God giving you people in California a subliminal message identifying Sodom and Gomorrah and the penalty for sodomy? Um, I don't know. I'm I'm just <laughs> just talking. But it just seems like, um, hmm, this is the worst firestorm in the history of California. 
And it happened just a few weeks after the Supreme Court said what we need here in California is more sodomy. I think what you people in California need is less sodomy, not more. Now, of course, you people out there, you know, you're all adults, and you all vote, and you're all registered, and you can decide for yourself what you want to do. Uh, but, you know, I think you're getting a bad result, and I think your results are going to get worse and worse. This God here in the Bible told you people out there plainly, don't practice sodomy. You people out there said, to hell with you. That's what we're going to practice. So let's all the rest of us take a look. Let's watch what happens out there in California. Watch them. Pay attention. Let's see if we can connect the dots. You know, if I see a bad result come down, you know, if I watch some guy driving around a curve and a road and, you know, it says slow to 35 and he goes at 70, rolls off the road and kills himself, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to slow down to 35. That law probably has a benefit for me. These similar provisions were common in the poor laws of the American colonies. They started out as being what they call poor laws. See, when government officials start out, they start out by calling it something that it isn't. And then they expand on it. And then they keep expanding on it and expanding on it. And then pretty soon you have total tyranny and total control by government. You had freedom. You had liberty. Let me give you an illustration. The The Bible says that God, this is God now, in Genesis 1, 28, 29, 30, along in there, he says, I'm going to give you every green herb. And so now the state comes along and they say, well, no, every green herb isn't good for you. We're going to take, uh, we're going to take cocaine, marijuana, and heroin away from you. Now, those are natural herbs. They're plant derivatives that come from green plants. Now, okay, so the state comes along and says, well, you know, God made a mistake there. Giving you every green herb, you people can't handle every green herb. you got to be regulated and controlled. And so they did. And so now your government regulates and controls all of the herbs. And now they got legislation coming into play. And now they want these herbs dispensed only by allopathic medical doctors by prescription. And that's what you got in Canada. Well, I don't know if it's there yet, but it's coming up. And that's what's coming here. You got it in Europe. Now, you know, we're, we're about to get it in the United States and Canada. So you see, it kind of grows as time progresses along this tyranny. But hey, listen, we voted these people in. We voted God out. The creator of the universe. We kicked his hiney out. We're not going to have this guy making our laws. By God, we're going to we're going to have the legislature. We're going to have voting. We're going to have democracy. I got to point out, you know, over in Iraq, over in Iraq, uh, under that terrible tyrant Saddam Hussein, you know, the guy that had all these weapons of mass destruction that we couldn't find. Um, <clears throat> He had laws over there. God, he was terrible, and, and he needed to be replaced, and so that's what we went over. In fact, in case you Iraqis didn't understand how this process works, we came over there to deliver democracy and freedom, liberty to you people. Before we got there, you people didn't have any gun control laws, and you could have fully automatic weapons under that dictator, Saddam Hussein. You could have fully automatic weapons in your own private homes without a permit. And that was bad for you people over there. 
So we Americans came over there and brought in gun control. Took your guns away from you. It's bad. Naughty, wicked, terrible, awful, and evil. And there's another thing you you Iraqis over there ought to be thankful for. And, and wake up, smell the coffee. You Iraqis over there didn't have an income tax until we Americans got over there and showed you how to do that. You know, you people over there in Iraq ought to be thankful. And what do we get? Huh? We brought you gun control and the income tax. And don't you forget where you got that. All right. Now, with that in mind, remember that under the dictator Saddam Hussein, those people didn't have gun control and income tax, and we Americans, who have in our Constitution a law that says, you shall not have anything but gold or silver coin as a tender and payment of debt, and now we've replaced that with income tax and paper money. And we got a law in our Constitution that says that you're not to be impaired in your right to keep and bear arms. And I'll be darned, our Supreme Court came down five to four now and reaffirmed that right. I was absolutely dumbfounded. I can't believe that our Supreme Court came back and affirmed our Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. I think we need to take a new vote on that. <clears throat> we sure as hell took it away from the Iraqis. I can't understand why we would want to why we would want to practice something here in America that we don't practice in Iraq and import and in impose upon others now. All right, now let's take a look now. It's Doctrine of Parents Patria over here. We start off by taking this right away from the poor and then from the parents who are undeserving. And i got to ask uh, exactly who is it that's undeserving? Well, down in Texas, you Mormons down there are undeserving, so that's why they took your your children away from you. Why were they undeserving? Well, because they're not raising those children to the standards. They're not following the law of the state. And here's what your problem is. See, all of you Mormons down there have marriage licenses and birth certificates. And the children belong to the state. And now you're not raising the children that belong to the state to the standards of the state. So they're going to change babysitters. That's what it boils down to. Who, for example, do not provide their children with good breeding. <laughs> That's what Hitler came up with. He said, "We're gonna, we're gonna have good breeding over here." You know, we did that here in the United States. We said, "Hey, wait a minute. We got a bunch of useless eaters over here. What we need to do is to change that." So that's why we have this, uh, this uh, birth control, and we have, uh, and we have Roe versus Wade. That's an outgrowth of the 1930s. And then this, uh, this, uh, what do they call this? Now, the name for this. It's, uh, it's not euthanasia. We're not, we're not going to kill all these babies over here, but what we're going to do is birth control. Yeah, we're going to have birth control. And there was a woman came up. I kind of forget her name now. It seems to me it starts with an S. And she said, "What we need is birth control because we got a bunch of, we got a bunch of poor people out here, blacks and other people over here that don't know how to breed correctly, and we need to get control of this breeding here in the United States. That's what this Roe versus Wade and birth control is all about. So they they're going to decide here who's poor, who's undeserving, and who don't have good breeding or neglect their formal education. That's you people out there that want to educate your children at home." 
No, 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 no. The state wants you to give them formal education. We want these people to be taught and trained. We want them educated. We want to put them into the farm system so we can make better pictures out of them. So we can make better workers out of them. More productive workers for the king and for the state and to pay more tax. <clears throat> so they don't want to neglect their formal education or these parents may not teach them a trade or are idle, dissolute, unchristian, or uncapable. The concept of parents' patre first used in chancery, where protection of feudal relationships and property were the major concerns and later transplanted into a branch of the poor law, eventually came to suggest a general power or right of the state to intervene in intra-family affairs on behalf of the child or society and to separate children from their parents. You didn't have that from God. We got that from the king. Hey, we voted this guy in. We want a king like all the nations around us, and by God, we're going to vote. Well, all right. Now you did. Now there's a result. Parents, patre. Parents, P-A-R-E-N-S. And it's spelled P-A-T-R-I-A-E. Parents, patre. P-A-T-R-I-A-E. That's the fiduciary obligations and state power. Now that's what we wanted. It's what we voted in. It's what we've got. Now listen. I was listening the other day to Brock and John, and they were debating. And these guys, there isn't a dime's worth of difference between these two presidential candidates. Think about it. Which one of them wants to go back to the Ten Commandments? Who's running on the Ten Commandments program? No, no. Both of them are running on the ten planks to the Communist Manifesto program. How do I know that? Which one of the two candidates wants to abolish the income tax? Neither one. That's the second plank. Which one of them wants to abolish public school? Neither one. That's the tenth plank. Which one of them wants to abolish the Federal Reserve? Neither one. That's the fifth plank. Which one of them wants to abolish the abolition of the right to property and reestablish property and property rights to American citizens. Neither one. Both of them are opposed to private property. Which one of them wants to abolish Social Security, the eighth plank to the Communist Manifesto? Neither one. They're both in favor of it. Boys and girls, both Republican and Democratic candidates are practicing communists. They advocate communism. They're both opposed to the Ten Commandments. Both of them are opposed to school prayer. Both of them are opposed to the Bible in public schools. Both of them are in favor of separation of church and state. Both of them are opposed to polygamy. Both of them are opposed to bond servitude. Both of them are opposed to every law, principle, regulation, custom, usage, or practice of the Ten Commandments, or any and every biblical law, without exception, both. But that's logical, because all of you are opposed to the Ten Commandments, and every law of God, and every biblical principle, as is evidenced by your conduct and your lifestyle. Hey, let's wake up and smell the copy. We're all in favor. We all love the doctrine of parents' patre, public school, abolition of property, the the central bank, the income tax, social security. That's why we all practice that. 
Hell, if we didn't like it, we wouldn't do it. Now, my point is that our practices produce a result. And so the state comes out, and they're taking about 2 million children a year. Now, I'm just as Joe Sixpack. I'm sitting here, you know, in Isabella, Missouri, and I'm watching my TV. Katie Couric reports to me that the state of Texas took a bunch of children, there's about 400 children, away from a bunch of Mormons down there because the state disagreed with the way those Mormons are raising their children and conducting their, their family affairs. And just as a Joe Sixpack sitting up here, I don't really give a rat's ass how those, how those people raise their children. You know, I got a different philosophy and a different viewpoint, but I don't, but I don't think that I should go down there and impose my standards on those people. That's my libertarian upbringing, I guess. But those people down there are all in favor of the state regulating children, as is evidenced by those very same Mormons who vote and who practice these same practices, these ten planks to the Communist Manifesto, those Mormons want to control the Baptists and the Baptist children through the state, and the Baptists, they want to control the Mormons and the Mormon children through Perrin's Patre and the power of the state, and the Catholics, they want to control the Mormons and the Baptists through Perrin's Patre, and the police power of the state, and then the Mormons, the Baptists, and everybody else want to control everybody else. And so the final result is everybody is controlled by the police power of the state. Nobody has power over their children. It's social lady, the teacher, and the state. And boys and girls, social lady, the teacher, and the state have an agenda. And it doesn't have anything to do with the Bible. And it doesn't have anything to do with you, your family, or your religious beliefs. It's their agenda, and you subscribe to it. That's why I told you. I said, you're the proximate cause of your own injury. Hey, i got to give you a reminder here that you're listening to The Law Hour, an editorial review, sponsored by the Gordon Law School of Isabella, Missouri. Now, The Law Hour is heard seven days a week here in the United States, and we're heard around the world in 112 countries plus daily over the Internet and radio. For more information about The Law School and The Law Hour, please go to our website. Remember, that's georgegordon.org. georgegordon.org. Now, The Law School teaches family law, tax law, courtroom strategy and procedure, business law, agricultural law, civil rights, and biblical law from the scriptural perspective. Now, that's eight schools in all. The law school is a private, non-commercial, non-profit, non-sectarian law school, and it is open to individuals, but by prearrangement. And the law school, or I should say here, the law school, this is me personally, and I should say that these opinions, beliefs, comments, views, and expressions that you hear on this program, they're mine. They're mine alone. They don't represent the uh, views, beliefs, and opinions of the advertisers, the sponsors, the management, or the staff of this radio network of this local radio station. So if you'd like more information about the Law Hour and Editorial Review, then please go to our website. That's georgegordon.org. That's georgegordon.org. Or you can call us direct at 417-273-4967. All right. Now I've got that out of the way, and we can get back here to this thing called the Doctrine of Parents Patrick. Parents Patre is a political conclusion. It's a political solution to a legal dilemma that we all found ourselves in years and years ago. 
and that is there are laws that we get from our Creator and that we're obligated to perform and practice and we didn't like, we don't like, didn't, don't, and won't like in the future. We hate our Creator. We hate God. Absolutely hate Him. How do I know that? It's what our God told us. He told us that in 1 Samuel chapter 8. Jesus made the same observation when he said, Why do you people call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Why don't you follow my instructions? Jesus made this observation. He said, Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. There's a lot of words that proceed out of the mouth of God. We don't live by any of them, much less all of them. So, we get a conclusion then. We get a result that comes from it. Now we're complaining about the results that we got from the George Bush economic policies, tax policies, uh, the peace policies, the, 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 the prosperity policies, the drug policies, the jobs policies, the free trade policies. And now everybody's mad as hell and they say, well, we want to change. Well, what's going to change? Well, we're, we're, we're going to vote for a change. Okay, but what is it that's going to change? Let me tell you, in the next administration, you're going to continue having the income tax, gun control, 25,000 gun control laws. Barack Obama and John McCain are not going to repeal one single gun control law. None. They're not going to repeal Social Security. They're not going to repeal unjust weights and balances. They're not going to change Social Security. They're not going to change the income tax. They promised to do that. They're not going to. Eisenhower promised that. Roosevelt promised that. Truman promised that. Your preachers all promised that. Not a one of them ever delivered a single promise. That's why I told you in the last program. Show me one. Tell me. I'll, I'll broadcast it worldwide. All right. Now, there's a reason for that. And the reason for that is it's out of control and we don't have control. We don't have control over our families. We, don't have, we do not have control over our children. We don't have control over our politics. We don't have control over our economics. We don't have control over Jack Diddley squat. We used to. We don't anymore. So, my suggestion is, uh, why don't we entertain the idea that maybe, just maybe, we made some bad mistakes here in the past, and that just maybe, if we went back to practicing what it was that we were practicing in the past, that produced the good results that we liked, maybe we could get those good results back. Barack Obama the other day said he wanted to make America great like it used to be in the past. That's an admission that America is not great like it used to be in the past. Okay. Um, Mr. Obama, what were we doing in the past that made America great? What did we do to make America less than great? And has it occurred to you, sir, that maybe if we went back to doing what it was that we were doing that made us great, that maybe we could become great again? Mull that one over for a minute. And then let me tell you that what we did in the past that made us great was the practice of the Ten Commandments. What has made us less than great or poor is the practice of the Ten Planks to the Communist Manifesto. And therefore, my suggestion is let's go back to the Ten Commandments, which made us great, but which all of us hate. 
God, we just hate the Ten Commandments. Name one that you're in favor of or that you like. Andy Rooney was on TV. He's on 60 Minutes. And he took on the Ten Commandments one night. He went through all ten of the Ten Commandments in his three minutes. And he said, well, this law over here, this is all right. We, we, we don't steal. Stealing is a, is a pretty good law. He said, he admitted that. He said, stealing, uh, we ought not to steal. And, and murder, so that's a pretty good law. We, we ought not to murder. He got to adultery and he said, no, it's nonsense. You know, people ought to have a right to choose, you know, who they want to have sex with. And he thought the Sabbath was kind of dumb too. He said, you know, <laughs> this, this religious ideology over here, you know, one of them's forcing Friday and one of them's forcing Sunday, one of them's forcing Saturday. We ought to choose whether we want to do it or not, and, and that's the bottom line. Okay. So much for Andy Rooney. And I just wanted to pass this on. Um, my dad never, never consulted me about the law of Gordon in the Gordon household. He never asked me for my opinion. He announced to me that my hair was too long, handed me 50 cents, and then said, get it cut. And I said, yes, sir. My dad never asked me how long I thought hairstyles ought to be for boys. The creator of the universe has never consulted us, has never come to us and asked us for our opinion as to what we thought about adultery or fornication. He has never come to us and asked us for our opinion, guidance, or counsel as to what we thought about just weights and balances, gold and silver coin, communism, or the Ten Commandments. He he made an announcement. He said, this is the law. Follow it. We said, kiss off. We ain't doing it. And he said, okay, I'll butt out for a while. And he has. But we're just about to the end of the road over here, kids. We're about to the end of the road. And I thought I'd make that observation. And the reason that we're about to the end of the road is because everything in society is out of control. Your economy is out of control. Your politics are out of control. Your children are out of control. Your wives are out of control. You are probably out of control. And if you're 65 years old and you're on six drugs, it's pretty obvious you're a drug addict and you're out of control. Your health is out of control. If you were in control of your health, you'd be in good health and you wouldn't be taking those six drugs, seniors. I'm 70. I ain't taking any drugs. My health isn't out of control. Now, I would suggest then that in these areas where we're losing control over here, that we go back to do what, doing what, kept those events under control. And children over here are the beginning of it. It began when we were children. We were not raised correctly. My dad did not raise me to practice the Ten Commandments. My dad raised me as a communist. Why? Well, because his dad raised him to be a communist. Why? Because his dad raised him to be a communist. We lost control over education in 1886 in California over this doctrine of parents' patria. You parents out there have a duty given by God himself to educate your children. God told you, educate your children in the Ten Commandments. Educate your children in my statutes, laws, and judgments. He said, give your children a legal education. And you said, hell no, we won't go. We're going to give our children a liberal arts education in public school. 
Well, all right. Now, there's a result that came out of that. I don't think the result's very good. Now, I think the majority of Americans are pretty satisfied and happy with the communist philosophy. And for those of you out there who are not, my suggestion is, well, let's consider this, and let's put these these two doctrines together, and let's consider what in the hell we want to do in the future. I came to the conclusion, I jerked my kids out of public school and educated them at home. I changed the education from communism to the Ten, Pl- uh, Ten Commandments. Uh, I think I got a fair to middling good result from that. Not as good as I wanted, but better than I got. Now, the main elements of the doctrine were articulated in the famous 19th century English custody case called Wellesley v. Wellesley, in which the petition of a father against his deceased wife's sisters for custody of his minor children was denied on grounds that he was living in adultery and thus set a poor moral example for his children. In his opinion, Lord uh, Redsdale maintained that parents have rights to their children only as a privilege granted by the state, that the state delegates control over children to their parents as a trust, and that it does so because parents usually discharge this trust faithfully on behalf of their children. When this trust is not faithfully discharged, as when the parent is cruel or fails to maintain his child, the state has the right to revoke the trust and to intervene on the child's behalf. That raises the question of who decides. Now notice that in this case, this this guy wants control. His, his wife dies. He wants custody of his children. And his two sisters say, no, they shouldn't, he shouldn't have it because he's an adulterer. Lord Ridsdale comes in and says that's correct. So all of you are sitting there, well, say, see, here's what we need. We need the state to enforce the Ten Commandment morality. Well, okay. It used to be that way. But you see, if you give the state that power, then the state can enforce satanic morality also. Can't they? And that's what's happened. See, Lord Redsdale made the right decision for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, it was the right decision. This guy shouldn't have custody of the child because he's an adulterer. But if we give Lord Redsdale the power over the child in place of the father, then Lord Redsdale, he can come along and he can dictate to everybody else what the law is going to be. And that's precisely what's happened. So now you have an amoral society headed by social lady, the police power of the state, and they have an agenda. Their agenda now is the New World Order. Now they have the power over your children. After all, they took the power under the guise of, we're going to protect your children from adultery. Then they came along after they got the power from you, and now they are promoting adultery. Take your child into the public school system, and he's going to go to sex education class where your children are going to learn how to be good sexual partners at age 14. Now tell me that your state got that brand of morality from the scripture, from Jesus, or from the Creator God, you know, at the Garden of Eden. So see, there's an example of where this is what they promise you, morality, and what they deliver to you is perversion. See, they promised you morality. And they delivered to you sodomy. Now, boys and girls, this society 
your society, wherever you live, when you violate these laws of the Creator, there's going to be a result. And this guy ain't nobody that you want to be given the finger to. This is the guy who killed everybody in the world in the Great Flood in Noah's time. This is the guy that destroyed 450,000 good, loyal, patriotic Egyptian soldiers who were just doing their job, trying to make the world safe for democracy a bunch against, uh, against a bunch of Israeli or Israelite terrorists who had violated and broken the laws of Egypt and who had run away seeking what they thought was freedom by some crazy God that they had followed in opposition to the gods of Egypt. And this God, the Creator over here, killed all of them in about 20 minutes in the Red Sea. Hey, this God ain't kind, he ain't gentle. And he ain't putting up with a whole lot of crap for a whole lot much longer. And the root cause of this incorrigible delinquency is you and me, moms and dads, who turned this power over to politicians, turned it over to religious leaders, and followed after, committed idolatry, followed after, and worship these clowns in our legislatures. School teachers over here teaching sex education. Hell, they can't even control their own sex much less direct the sexual activities of your children, for crying out loud. you got sodomites in your public school teaching morality. Have you lost, have you lost your minds out there? Sex education in public school. Excuse me, Mom and Dad. Don't you mothers and fathers know anything about sex? If you've got children... Didn't you learn something about sex and reproduction in the process? I find it hard to believe that a mother who has given birth to a child is so damn dumb she can't educate her child in reproduction. And you send your child to school to a sodomite who is not married, who has not produced any offspring, to learn what? an alternative lifestyle called sodomy. All the time people call him, well, I'd, I'd teach my child at home, but you see, I don't have a teaching credential, and, and, I, and I didn't graduate from high school, and I'm just not, not competent and just not capable of teaching my own child. Uh, boys and girls, if you're not capable or competent, to teach your own child, then you ought not to have children. Because one of the burdens laid upon you by the God of creation is that you educate your child. Education is a parental function. It's a duty. I'm sorry to report that. It's your job. It's your duty. It's not the school teacher. It's not me. It's not anybody else. It's you. You produced a little bread snapper. It's your duty to feed him. Not mine. Not the state, not welfare. Yours. Well, I, I just can't take care of my child. Just lost my job and I'm unemployed and I've got to have unemployment insurance and, and it ran out and so now I've got to have welfare and Mr. Gordon, you need to pay your taxes so you can feed me, clothe me, and house me. And 
That's why you got a marriage license, Bob. Because you knew when you got the marriage license that you were incompetent and incapable and you needed a guardian. And so you elected the state to be your guardian. You had one. It was called God. And he gave you your laws. And you said, oh, I don't like those laws too good. I think I need a new guardian. I think the state of Texas will make a better guardian than God. And he... And I guess it does. And so now they took your children away from you, you Mormons down there. All of you Mormons with marriage licenses and birth certificates. And now you're bitching about the state and social lady taking your kids. Well, that's because you're not following the state's directions. You're not raising the state's children, you dumb babysitters, the way the state told you to. I'm going to think this through for, for a minute here. Let's suppose for the sake of our discussion that you delivered to me, George Gordon, your child, your children. And you gave me some instructions. Mr. Gordon, Mr. Gordon, I'm going to pay you money. And I want you to send my children to Catholic school, because I'm a Catholic. And I want you to educate my children, and, and I want you to discipline, and you set down some standards for me. Sir. Okay, you leave on a long journey, and you're in a far, far land, far away in Africa. And so instead of me sending your children to Catholic school and educating your children to Catholic doctrine and philosophy, I send your children to Mormon school, and I'm giving them the Mormon education. Sir. And then you've, you've given me all these other directions over here, and I'm not following your directions. What would you do? Would you change babysitters? If I didn't send your child to Catholic school and you told me to, and I didn't discipline your child the way you told me to, and I did it some other way, and you found out about it in a far, far land, would you leave the far, far land, come back, take your children away from me, and put them in the custody and care of somebody else? All right? That's what the state's done. And the state's doing it with your consent. They got your consent when you got a marriage license and a birth certificate. And when they got your consent, they got control and ownership of your child through the doctrine of parents' patrie. And now the politician who has an agenda called the New World Order, called the implementation of the Ten Planks to the Communist Manifesto, if you're in favor of that, of that agenda and those planks to the manifesto, you're in hog heaven. Man, everything that you want is coming to pass. It's just for you crazies out there that are opposed to it, that are having the problems. So for all of you crazies that are opposed to it, well then why do you participate in it? Again, have you taken leave of your senses? I have people calling me and say, well I'm opposed to sodomy, why do you support it? I'm opposed to the of the of the morality of the public school. Why do you send your children to public school? I'm opposed to the Federal Reserve. Why do you have checking account? Well, I'm opposed to the monetary policies of the United States. Then why do you support them, vote for them, and and uh, and practice them? I have people that tell me they're all in favor of hard hard money, gold and silver coin. Why don't you use it? Hell, we don't do what we know is right. Why then should we be surprised that those wrongdoers out there are doing wrong? You voted them in, you support them, you practice the same wrong practices. Why would you expect your child 
to do that which you yourself do not do. You know, we ought to practice what we preach. We practice communism and then we complain about it and say, Oh, I don't understand why our government officials don't give us just weights and balances and (laughs) they're giving us just exactly what you voted for. You got public school because that's what you voted for. You're a product of public school. I'm a product of public school. My dad was a product of public school. His dad was a product of public school. Hell, public school's all we know. We don't know how to educate our child at home. The state has always owned our child. We've always had marriage licenses. We've always had birth certificates. Hell, it's the only thing we know. Now, there's an alternative to this. Let me give you a couple of citations here. In the trust referred to by Lord Redsdale, the settler, or the creator of the trust is the state. The trustee is presumably the child's natural parents. And the beneficiary of the trust, or the Sestacui trust, is the minor child. It's a guardian ward relationship through a trust indenture. Has it ever occurred to us that we ought to revoke this trust indenture take our children back stop educating these children to communism in the public schools and to sodomy immorality filth and perversion and educate them to the laws of God and the Ten Commandments I mean that isn't the policy of your church your church is not advocating the 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 practice of the Ten Commandments and and the NAACP sure as hell isn't advocating that we go back to practicing the laws of God and bond servitude and slavery. But I am. God does. The Bible does. Well, you know, we're not going to do that. But I just thought I'd throw it out here and report on it to you. Because if we don't practice the Ten Commandments, then the only alternative is the Ten Planks. And the result that we get from the ten planks is what we're all going to eat. As the old ladies used to say, you made your bed, sweetheart. Now go sleep in it. I'm running out of time. i got to remind you that you are listening to the Law Hour and Editorial Review, sponsored by the Gordon Law School of Isabella, Missouri. The Law Hour is heard seven days a week here in the United States, and we're heard around the world in 112 countries plus daily over the internet and radio. Now, for more uh, for more information about the law school and the law hour, just go to our website at georgegordon.org. georgegordon.org. All of these law hour programs are archived on the internet by title and date for your listening convenience. And the law hour is an educational service brought to you in the public interest. All right, time's up. we got to leave it right there. We'll see you back here tomorrow night, same time, same station, with the conclusion of this thing called incorrigible delinquency. So until then, thanks for listening, everybody, and good night, friends. Mm-hmm.